Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. Turkey's main opposition party ousted its longtime leader, Kemal Kilicidaroglu, this weekend following his comprehensive loss in the presidential elections earlier this year. Members of the Republican People's Party, or the CHP, voted on Sunday to replace Kilicidaroglu with Özgür Özel, who has called for reform both in how the party is managed and how it approaches the upcoming elections, vowing to take an inclusive approach. Ayla Jean Yakli, a journalist covering Turkey with stories in the Financial Times, Politico, and other major outlets, joins me to look at the new leader of Turkey's opposition and break down what we should expect as we approach local elections in March. Ayla, always great having you back on The Greek Current. Great to be here. Thanks. Ayla, does this weekend's change in leadership mark the most significant shift in power in Turkey's opposition in over a decade? You know, a change in the leadership of this party, which is Turkey's oldest political grouping um, at 100 years of age, is significant. Özgür Özal is only the eighth person to lead the CHP since its establishment by uh, Mustafa Kemal Atatürk, the founder of the modern Turkish Republic. So the change in and of itself is important and um, signifies, you know, a potential shift for the party. Was this change expected after the results of the presidential election? You would expect it to be. Um, it was such a stinging defeat for Kılıç Darolu. The election in May, polls had shown that it was the opposition's best chance in two decades to unseat Erdogan. And his defeat was such a huge disappointment for his supporters and for the broader opposition that calls for his resignation were immediate after the loss. But he seemed determined to hang on. You know, he had indicated that he would wait for this party convention that did take place and did ultimately result in his having to leave the post of leader. But there was concern that he would hang on. He's a fighter. He has been in charge of this party since 2010, despite perennial defeats against Erdogan. So Ozel's success at the convention was by no means foreseen before it took place. Who is Ozel, you know, the opposition's new leader, who's vowed to shake up things before local elections scheduled for March? So Ozel is a 49-year-old. He's a pharmacist by training. He's been a lawmaker with the Republican People's Party since 2011. It's a generational shift for the party. He is replacing Kalich Tarolu, who is 74 years old. But Ozel's no outsider. You know, for the past eight years, he has served as the party's deputy chairman in parliament. So he's been running the biggest opposition party's affairs in the legislature. He is a spokesman for the party oftentimes. He's a known figure for people who watch Turkish politics closely. What's significant is that he does have the support of the CHP's most popular politician. That's Ekrem Imamolu, the mayor of Istanbul since 2019. Imamolu has emerged as the most outspoken advocate for change within the party after Kilic Darolu's loss against Erdogan in the presidential election. So Ozel is riding a, look, we don't know the size of the wave, but there is a small wave at least of change and reform within the CHP. Ozel said he was proposing a bold and determined policy against, you know, what he called the embarrassing and passive politics pursued by the opposition in the past. What does this change look like that you're referring to? Do we have any indication on, you know, the direction that Ozel and Imam Oglu, who backs him, want to take the opposition? 
change has to begin with the leadership. And this is the most viable chance for that in more than a decade. Khalid Sharoulu himself was a change maker when he led in a rebellion against the previous longtime leader, Dennis Baikal, in 2010. Khalid Sharoulu did move the party to the center, um, bringing it more in line with European Social Democrats and discarding some, but not all, of the party's hardline secularist and nationalist tendencies and members. But Kalishtar Olu eventually, you know, became a victim of his own war of attrition. You know, he's been a favorite object of abuse by Erdogan. And despite Kalishtar Olu's grip on the CHP, he is one of Turkey's least popular politicians. His defeat in May, when, you know, as I said, polls showed that a unified opposition had its best chance at defeating Erdogan, you know, underscored Kalisharola's failure to alter the broader political landscape. So, you know, as I said, change has to begin at the top. And while we don't have a sort of concrete idea or roadmap yet from Ozel on how he's going to direct the party that he's now inherited, I think his challenges are great. You know, the truth is, is that, you know, the opposition in Turkey has been confined to a playing field that Erdogan determines the parameters of. The opposition has to play a game whose rules Erdogan sets. The president dominates the political, economic, and social agenda in Turkey. And meanwhile, the CHP, being a hundred-year-old institution that was founded by Ataturk, has a lot of baggage. So we don't know yet whether Ozal can garner both support from within as well as without the party to increase its share of the vote, as well as retain the support of smaller opposition parties who did back Kılıçdaroğlu in May. They will be critical in the local elections, which are scheduled for March of next year. Does Azal have a fresh political vision and strategy that can change those rules of the political game in Turkey? You know, we're going to have to wait and see. Looking ahead at the local elections, Erdogan has said his Justice and Development Party will fight vigorously to win back control of Turkey's two biggest cities, Istanbul and Ankara. Will these be the two places observers will need to keep an eye on as we head into March? Yes, I think so. You know, these two cities are the most important battlegrounds, um, and that's because of the sheer size of their populations, but also the um, political and economic influence that they yield. But I think it's important to note another important region is southeastern Turkey, in which the country's second biggest opposition party, which is dominated by Kurdish and leftist politicians, um, where it typically finishes first. Erdogan's government has seized control of almost all of those municipalities. After the last two local elections, he has accused the party of supporting Kurdish militants. And we don't yet know how the party will contest and, you know, should it win, retain control of those cities. So that's an important region to watch as well. There is, you know, always a question about whether the Kurdish political grouping will make some kind of, you know, bargain of some sort with Erdogan or remain a part of the opposition. An opposition has never been particularly welcoming of the party. So that is also something to watch in the weeks and months ahead. With Erdogan looking to win back Istanbul and Ankara next year, should we also be expecting more and more attention or 
scrutiny even from the AKP on political figures like Ekrem Imamoglu, for example, who did come you know, under the spotlight in the run-up to the presidential election? Yes, I expect so. The government has opened criminal probes of Imamoglu that could result in a ban from politics. The ruling party, senior officials have said that it doesn't need, the party doesn't need to ban Imamolo from politics to win back Istanbul, especially after the momentum of this year's general election that Erdogan handily won. And Erdogan is surely aware that disqualifying Imamolo could create a backlash and actually boost support for the opposition You know, even his own supporters see a potential ban against Imamolo as a politically motivated intervention and not one rooted in real allegations of wrongdoing on Imamolo's behalf. So it's absolutely something to keep an eye on. It is a tool that Erdogan keeps in his kit against the opposition. You know, he's long used the judiciary to silence his opponents. And it's a real threat for Imamola. But Erdogan is a very savvy, very smart, very experienced politician. And he must also have to weigh the potential you know, downsides to intervening so directly. And the truth be told, you know, Imamola, while relatively popular, has a tough job ahead of him to retain control. You know, his party isn't very popular. That momentum that it had enjoyed earlier this year is now gone. The new leader um, does potentially bring back some of that energy to the party. But, you know, it's still going to be a very tough election for Imamoli, even though he is the incumbent in Istanbul. Ayla, always great speaking with you. Thanks again for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Dana. In other news, the United States is looking forward to the continuation of the strong partnership with Greece in energy cooperation. Assistant Secretary of State for Energy Resources and former Ambassador to Greece Jeffrey Pyatt said at the 7th SEF Energy Forum in Thessaloniki. Pyatt also said the completion of the floating gas and regasification unit, FSRU, in Alexandropoli was extremely important, as well as the role played by Greece in accelerating the energy transition in the Western Balkans. In addition, he reiterated the U.S.'s commitment to the 3 plus 1 initiative of Greece, Cyprus, Israel, and the United States, and the extremely important cooperation in the Eastern Mediterranean. Finally, Greece's power grid operator, HEDNO, has secured a 150 million euro loan from the European Investment Bank to install 3.12 million smart meters, the first stage of a plan to upgrade Greece's distribution network. The long-delayed investment will allow Greece's power grid operator to offer real-time information to customers, will facilitate energy savings, and support demand response. Greece already covers about half of its electricity needs with solar, wind, and hydroelectric power and aims to increase that share to 80% by 2030. Smart meters will be key in the country's pursuit to improve network reliability, harness solar and wind energy potential, and help Europe build a greener economy. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.